Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast A Day in the Word conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website to get more details and register now. Do you feel called to lead? Then you should attend our How to Lead a Precept Upon Precept workshop at our Precept Ministries Training Center in Brantford, Ontario on December 5th through 7th. Head to our website to register now. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, and this is Unlocking the Truth podcast. So good to have you with us. After a wonderful summer's break, we're back into the full swing of things here at the ministry. It's super busy at this time of year with all the Bible study classes getting going, all kinds of new classes getting started, thousands of Bible study books leaving uh, our new building each and every day. So thankful to the Lord for the growth that is happening in this ministry. It's really fantastic to see, and I'm so glad that you are tuning into the podcast with us uh, every other week as we work through the book of Hebrews. Hope you had an opportunity to join us in the summertime as we looked at um, the the issue of anxiety. And uh, a lot of great feedback that came from that as well, praying that uh, those who... Uh, listened through that, were encouraged by what they heard from Jennifer Peterson, from Paige Fury, and from Jerry Heikinen and myself. And we hope that uh, in the future we'll be able to do more podcasts that are topical in that way to, to address some serious uh, needs that are going on within the church. If at any time you think that there is a topic that you feel like the podcast should address, feel free to get in contact with us at info at preceptministries.ca as we um, always are wanting to put out great solid biblical material, material and uh, content that's encouraging for you, but also will push you to grow in your faith in the areas that you need to grow. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews, and as we Uh, kind of discuss the overview of Hebrews today. I just want to encourage you that if at any time you wanted to study along with us through the book of Hebrews, um, I know that can be hard. Maybe you're listening in your car or wherever you're listening, but you would want to uh, study the book of Hebrews for yourself and then be encouraged by what you're hearing on the podcast. You can do that. Visit our website at preceptministries.ca and either pick up the new inductive study series on the book of Hebrews, which is an 11-week study, or if you want to dig real deep into the book of Hebrews, Precept Upon Precept or the In and Out series that we have will be a wonderful study. There's three parts to the Precept Upon Precept in the In and Out, and so the outline of our podcast over the next 11 weeks is going to focus in on the new inductive study series outline, but we will go a little bit deeper than the overview that's going to be there. Why don't we commit our time to the Lord today, and uh, as we do, 
and uh, you prepare to uh, listen to this. I hope that God will speak to you as we look at the overall general picture of the book of Hebrews uh, this week. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the time that you've given us in the Word. We thank you for your Word. We thank you that you speak through your Word. We pray that as uh, we go through Hebrews over the next coming weeks, that this would be a real fantastic opportunity for us to grow, also understand uh, what's happening in the book of Hebrews and how it could be an encouragement to us. Father, we give you this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Hebrews is a fantastic book. Let me just start with you there. One of the key um, focuses of this book is the whole idea of better than. And I can't think back uh, to, you know, I can think back to when I was uh, a young um, kid in public school, and I would think about the idea of, you know, guys around the circle, whatever, on the playground, and they'd get into these conversations of, uh, my dad's better than your dad. And then you might compare it to, well, my dad, he played NHL hockey or baseball or a professional sport, so he's better than your dad. Or my dad does this, and he's better than your dad. My dad can build things with his hands, and your dad can't, so my dad's better than your dad. And uh, the idea of this whole better than, it definitely comes out in the book of Hebrews. It's one of those words that you can uh, follow all the way through the text. Jesus, he's better than angels. Jesus is better than the high priest. Jesus um, brings in a better covenant. Um, everything is better with Jesus. And so that's kind of one of those themed outlines of this book. And as we work through over the next number of weeks, we're going to see and do all these comparisons. This week, we want to look at uh, the overall writing of the book, when it was written, the time frame of when it was written, and, and why. Why did this book get written? So we'll start with the date on this. So they believe that um, this book of Hebrews, first of all, written to Jewish believers, uh, as I've been teaching through Hebrews over the last number of years, my one my one joke that I've always got, and I'll share with you on the podcast, and if you ever run into my wife, Jessica, don't tell her that I told this joke, but though my joke goes, when I retire, I'd like to move to Israel and open a coffee shop and call it Hebrews. Now, hopefully at this point, you're either laughing or you're giving that, oh my goodness, I can't believe he did, just did that. The book of Hebrews is written to Jewish believers. That's why it takes on the title of Hebrews. So that's the first thing we know. Uh, scholars believe that the book of Hebrews could be written in between the years of 64 and uh, 68 AD. And so when you think about the dating of all of this, 64 to 68 AD, we know that in 70 AD that the temple was destroyed. And so if we're moving in that position of 64 to 68 AD, we know that the persecution of believers at that time was pretty heavy. And so this is no different than when getting into the book of Hebrews. We know that the um, recipients of this letter are facing persecution. The text tells us that in chapter 10, and he says, uh, verse 32, chapter 10, verse 32, he says, But remember the former days, when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly becoming shares of those who were so treated. 
Now, when we get to chapter 10, eventually, in a number of weeks, almost the new year before we get to chapter 10, we will see this a lot closer of what was going on. But what we can do is look at this now in verse 32 of chapter 10, you have the word but, which is a contrast. Um, and it says, remember your former days when you were enlightened. Okay, so this would go back to remember when you first received the gospel. Remember that time when you were on fire for Jesus Christ. And in that time when you first became a Christian and you were first um, walking with the Lord, that you endured a great conflict and suffering. You know, what we've got here, and we'll talk about this again, is absolutely contrary to some the way some people have received and heard the gospel. If you come to Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. You know, you're going to be good. Your life is going to be so much better. That's contrary to the gospels and what Jesus says, um, because he said that when you come to Jesus, because of my name, you'll be hated. You'll face persecution. You'll face suffering. You'll be brought before courts. You'll be scourged. You'll be beaten. Look at the Apostle Paul's life. Do you think his life got better? As he became a Christian, he endured great conflict and suffering. Same with these new believers that when they came to Jesus Christ and they were enlightened by the gospel, suffering came. And here's what they did. Okay, so partly they were made a public spectacle. So they were in public ridiculed for the decisions that they made in their faith. They also um, were, you know, taking part in this with other people who were facing that. Uh, when they first started out in their faith, they showed sympathy towards prisoners. They accepted joyfully the seizure of their property. So when they first became Christians, they suffered by people taking their property from them. And they were excited about that and joyful. It makes me think about Acts chapter 5, verse 41, after Peter was facing much uh, persecution for the gospel and the suffering. In verse 41, it says, They went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept on teaching and preaching that of Jesus Christ. So the suffering that these believers were receiving when they first uh, became Christians, they were finding joy in that to be uh, worthy of the gospel. But somewhere along the line, um, the author of Hebrews, he says in verse 35, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. We'll look at each of these chapters as we work through. But somewhere along the line, there is a lot of warnings and exhortations that come from the author of Hebrews to the Jewish believers to uh, keep on going. The reason for writing Hebrews is found in chapter 13, verse 22. It says, I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation for what I have written to you. So the entire letter of Hebrews to the Hebrews is this, that you need to press on and you need to endure until the end, until the return of Jesus Christ regarding the suffering that you're facing. Don't shrink back from it. Be encouraged by it. Find, go back to when you were receiving that joyfully. Press on forward, constantly bearing in mind everything that um, you received when you were enlightened, which was a 
part of that enlightenment is the promise of eternal life. So the author of Hebrews, through those 12 chapters, he begins to lay out uh, warnings and exhortations and how to press on towards the prize at the end. How am I going to live my faith in light of the persecution and suffering that I'm facing that I can endure to the end and receive the inherited promise? Now, you have to pause and you have to say to yourself, how does this compare to today? Well, in Canada, are we really facing uh, the persecution that we see around the world? Not necessarily. Not necessarily are we dying for our, for our faith here yet. We're not into that position yet. But I know as I've traveled throughout Canada and speaking with Bible study leaders all over our country, that in many various different ways, people are facing persecution from their faith. They're facing persecution within their families. Maybe they've been disowned by loved ones because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I've met people who have had battles around the coffee table because of their belief in Jesus Christ and, and what the others don't believe. There's battles over, you know, doctrines and there's battles over different things like um, the way that we see culture being formed and shake, shaped in this day and age, a culture that's formed by what we believe within our own hearts is moral truth versus biblical truth. And of course, all of those things create battles and sufferings and persecutions, maybe not to the extent of what they're facing in countries like India and China. Uh, in India right now, it's Christian uh, faith from our friend who, pre who runs Precept there, just to tell um, they share with us what's going on, and the struggles in that country are unbelievable right now for those who try to uh, push the, uh, the gospel forward to bring people to the point of salvation. The government is doing everything they possibly can to shut that down. And so yet there is persecution going on in our country, but all around the world as believers stand up for the truth of the gospel, persecution is going to come. It's like in the calendar year. You know that every year on December 25th, no matter what, Christmas is coming. So just the same as with your faith in Jesus Christ, you should know and recognize that at some point, whether it be now or later, I will face persecution for my faith. The stronger I am in my faith, the stronger I pursue the gospel, I guarantee you the more persecution you will face. The devil just does not want God's agenda to move forward and God's will to move forward. And therefore, the enemy will rise up and continue to rise up until Jesus Christ's return to stop God's agenda of salvation for all to continue forward. So the author of Hebrews writes this entire exhortation, but he also gives warnings. In chapter 1, I want to start there because this is where the first uh, piece of information comes, which is of encouragement but also he lays out the standard of why you should pay attention to what's being written. He says in chapter 1, verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So we have right here a way of the message being brought forward. We know that before Jesus, that God spoke through prophets. Well, we can look to the Old Testament and we can see 
multiple messages of repent and return from the prophets. You can continue to name. You can go through the major prophets and the minor prophets, Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, and the minor prophets. All these prophets have brought the message that you must repent and return and get your heart right with God. Return to God. Live a life of righteousness. Be holy. All of these messages have come forward through the prophets. That's how God spoke to his people. In verse 2, he says, In these last days. So from the time that Jesus came to earth, he began to be the voice of God to us on earth. And he was the voice of God to us on earth until he ascended and returned to be with the Father. And we know that according to the Gospel of John, when he left this earth, he sent his helper in the Holy Spirit. But look what he says in verse 3. He says, he, who is Jesus, is the radiance of his glory. He's the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Essentially, what the author of Hebrews is saying is he's bringing us back to almost the same as John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being, and apart from him, nothing came into being that was, has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did, com did not comprehend. Verse 14, John chapter 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What we had in Jesus is we saw Jesus was the exact representation of God, like looking into a mirror. And that God was with us. He was with us, and then he was there for the purpose of making purification of sin, and then he went to the right hand of the Father. But what he says here in one verses 1, 2, and 3, that God once spoke through prophets. He now speaks through Jesus. The rest of chapter 1, which we'll come back to in our next week's uh, discussion, and we'll see that um, who Jesus is and what God has done and what God has said about him. But then in verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, for this reason. The for this reason goes back to who Jesus is and who his character is because he's the exact representation of Jesus Christ because he is the one who was on earth, made purifications of sin. He was the messenger of God. He brought God's message to the people while he ministered on earth. You, reader, must pay close attention to what you've heard. This essentially in chapter chapter 1 and into chapter 2 of Hebrews, what the author of Hebrews is laying out is this is the final message from God that's going to come through Jesus. It's like the last chapter of messages that will come. When Jesus speaks, there's nothing that will come after that. So we better pay close attention. There was prophets before. He spoke through prophets. We all will also see next week he spoke through angels as messengers of God. But now he's speaking through Jesus. And he says, pay close attention to what Jesus has to say. Because you don't want to drift away from the truth. So, that's chapter 
2, verse 1, just the first kind of warning is pay close attention. He also says, here's why you should pay close attention. And he says that in chapter 2, verse 3. And he says, how uh, will we escape if we can neglect a great salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed by those who heard. So if you don't pay attention, if you don't listen to the words of Jesus that were spoken from the Lord to the messengers like the apostles, like the apostle Paul, like the disciples who continued to pass that message along, you think of the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that has commanded. All of these things have gone through from Jesus to the disciples and passed, just like a baton gets passed in a race. We have this baton that's been passed. And if we don't pay attention to the words of Jesus, we're going to miss out on salvation. And when we miss out on salvation, we actually face judgment. We face the wrath of God. You know, you think about Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, you were dead in your sins. You were a child of wrath. You were destined for wrath. Ch uh, Ephesians says, but God, you know, through Jesus, sins were forgiven. And so pay close attention because in and through Jesus is how you receive salvation. Chapter 3 we have another warning that comes in what you need to pay attention to. And he says that uh, you need to hold fast in, your, um, in what you've heard. And so he says uh, chapter, in chapter 3, we have in verse 12, he says, Take care, brethren, that there not be any of you with an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be have a hardened heart and the deceitfulness of sin. Pay close attention to Jesus because he's speaking to you and he's speaking to you for the purposes of salvation. If you hear the voice of Jesus, listen carefully to the voice of Jesus and don't harden your heart to the message. It's huge for us to understand that what Jesus is bringing is the difference between life and death. And this is the exhortation and the warning that the author is giving in the book of Hebrews to these Jewish believers. In chapter 4, the warning that comes is be diligent to enter into his rest. You know, enter into the rest which is, you know, not really a reference to, hey, you need to rest on the, on the Sabbath, but the rest of and the peace that comes from knowing you are saved, that you are in the family of God. Hebrews chapter 5, there's a warning that comes in chapter 5 to the believers, and the warning is that, you know, you have become dull of hearing, that you should by now be teachers, but you still are in the milk of the word. Paul called it the elementary principles of scripture that you've not moved on from. And that, you know, when you, the mature should be on solid food. And the thing about the Hebrews chapter 5, when we come back to that, he says, here's the difference between those who are in the milk of the world word and those who are on solid food. Those who are on solid food can determine and discern the difference between good and evil, but those who are in the milk of the word can't. And so the call is to 
press on to maturity. That comes in chapter 6. Press on and grow and go towards maturity. Move beyond the elementary principles. Stop building on the foundation of those elementary things and move on to things that are more difficult. He calls us to lay aside those simple things but continue to grow. It's press on, grow to maturity, endure. These are all the things. How do you respond to suffering in your life when you are in the milk of the word? Well, you'll be all over the place, tossed from right to left by the seas, just like Ephesians says. As you grow and mature, you, you can understand that some of these sufferings are coming because of the testing of your faith that produce endurance, the book of James. The call is to press on and mature. Don't be one of those who's dull of hearing, who's not growing in their faith, who's, who's becoming stagnant. It also says that in chapter um, 6, it says that they've become sluggish um, in their belief, and so they're kind of moving backwards. Uh, the challenge is also don't shrink back to what you, where you were um, when you were before you were with Christ. In Hebrews chapter 5, the, the warning that comes against is that you have become dull of hearing, that you should be teachers by now, but you're still in the elementary principles, as Paul said in Corinthians, but you are still in the need to grow. He says that, you know, I want to teach you about these things, but you're not ready to receive those things. I can't explain them to you because you're too immature in your Christian faith. You should be mature, and so the call is press on to maturity. Stop relaying this foundation of the things that are elementary, but grow in your faith. And so he says that some of you have become sluggish, and you, you, know, you think of the word sluggish, and I always think of the proverb, as the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard turns in its bed. It's like the teenager who you can't wake up, like my daughter, you know, you try to wake her up in the morning for school, but you got to really shake her and move her because she's really slow to get out of bed because, you know, they stay up too late kind of a thing. So you, you're sluggish, and it says you should be imitators of the faith, you know, and working towards having patience and being prepared to inherit the promise. As Hebrews chapter 6 ends, he says, be sure of the promise, just as the promise came to Abraham, the, the promise of eternal life will become to you. God is true to his word. We'll look at all these things as we move through. In Hebrews chapter 7, the promise is that Jesus is better. There's a better hope in Jesus. He is the high priest. He's the one that comes according to the order of Melchizedek. His line is eternal, therefore he is eternal. So we'll be pulling through all of the ideas of the better hope in Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 8, it talks about the new covenant, the promise of the new covenant, the better covenant, better than the old covenant, saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, not by dead works that are impossible to accomplish. In Hebrews chapter 9, redemption, which is eternal, comes through the blood of Jesus Christ, looking closer at the temple and the whole process of what the high priest would do once a year to go into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for sin, knowing that none of that was good enough, but only through the blood of Jesus, once sin for all, would be uh, eternal life. And so Hebrews chapter 10, you know, the, the challenge in Hebrews chapter 10 is that we are to uh, press on. There's all kinds of 
um, discussion in here about how Christ's sacrifice is once for all. And you've got all these, let us, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. I mean, that's huge. Don't waver in the confession of your hope. Be assured of your salvation. Your sins were forgiven once and for all. And then let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking for our assembling together. The, the encouragement that comes on. But in verse 36 of chapter 10, also another kind of exhortation. He says, for you need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what has promised. You know, hold fast, hold strong to the promises that you've got. Press on until the end. When he tells you to press on until the end, he gives you examples in chapter 11, this great hall of faith of all these faithful men who gained approval. They gained approval without ever being able to attain the promise, as is said in chapter 11. So we'll look closer at all of these exhortations as they come. And then in chapter 12, he says this, and he starts out with, chat, with this important thing. He says, therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses, what great cloud of witnesses? Those who are found in chapter 11 surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're all in a race. We're in the race towards eternity and we have to run with endurance. But as the author says, you've got to get rid of all those things that weigh you down, all those sins, all those things that are holding you back from persevering and leaving that old life behind and run, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I can't wait until we get to that week in the podcast when we get to chapter 12. In chapter 13, it's all about do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Live your faith out amongst each other is the challenge in chapter 13. So the encouragements that come from this word of God, I have to tell you from this book, that every week as we look at all of these characteristics of Jesus and who he is, Jesus as the high priest, Jesus is our hope, Jesus is the sacrifice, Jesus is the better covenant, Everything that we're going to look at is going to be such an encouraging time in God's word. And that's why I want to encourage you that as we look through each of these things, that you don't just listen to this podcast alone, but you get into Hebrews on your own and start to interrogate the text. Ask questions of it. As you're reading each week, grab a notepad and hold it beside you and ask yourself by each chapter, who, what, where, when, why, and how? and write out those answers, and ask God to clearly show you, God, what do you want me to see about Jesus? Maybe some of you who are listening to this podcast, you are going through a difficult time right now where you are in the midst of persecution. Maybe you have even brought about questions of, you know what, is this walk with Jesus Christ really worth it? I was thinking back a little while ago to the very fact of revelation when Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. You know, when he wrote that, when he told John to write that, and he said, I'm coming soon, does it ever make you wonder what in the world did Jesus mean by coming soon? Because there are times when I can be around the corner from my house, and, and my wife Jessica will ask me, when are you coming home? 
and I'll say, I'll be home soon. And that soon can be three, four, five minutes, and then I'm home. But you see, thousands of years ago, John wrote that Jesus said, behold, I'm coming soon. And we're waiting. Peter says we need to fix our eyes, and so does Hebrews, fix your hope on the return of Jesus Christ. But there are times in our lives where we must all wonder, when is that going to happen? And you see, this is the call for endurance. We don't know when it's going to happen. The day and the hour of Christ's return is not known. But we've got to be ready for his return. We have to endure to the end in those times when we question, do you think Jesus is going to return? Are we confident in our salvation that when he does return, we'll spend eternity with him? These are all the same questions that are going to be answered in Hebrews to these people. Will they be able to endure until the end to receive the inherited promise? What about us as we live in this culture that continues to fall in its moral decline around us? We look at the world around us and we say there's all this evil, there's all this struggle going on, there's all these battles between good and evil. And how are we going to survive as Christians when persecution does come our way? Well, what did the Bible say? What did Hebrews say? Press on towards maturity. Grow in the faith so that you'll be able to discern the difference between good and evil. And so as we look at Hebrews over the next number of weeks, I pray that God is going to work in your life to see how this is going to be such an encouragement. It's an exhortation for us as believers today to press on to maturity. So join us in our next episode as we get back into Hebrews and we look at Jesus and his comparison to the angels. Have a great week.